Welcome to Beer Massive, a collection of good beer-centric conversation, interviews, editorials, reviews, and more from a collective of centrally like-minded yet individually opinionated good beer fanatics. From podcasts born in the present, or from our massive library of brewer interviews from years past, we hope you enjoy what you hear. If you do enjoy what you're here, please subscribe. Feel free to reach out to us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram on tap, at Massive Beers, or email us individually at massivebeers at gmail.com. How you doing, guys? For this week, we're going to be jumping back into the Wayback Machine and doing an archive episode. This archived episode is actually going to be from May of 2016 with some pre-canned Trillium goodness, or I should say JC from Trillium goodness. Uh, We gave him a call, sat down and kind of wrapped about the beers and um, talked about what they're doing there at Trillium. This is a pre-expansion, pre-brig brewery, pre-canning. All their stuff was essentially in bottles back then from IPAs, the stouts and whatnot. So we sat down during our uh, radio beer geek days, shot the shit with JC and just kind of talked about where the brewery is headed and what they were up to. So uh, sit back, enjoy the quick episode, and talk to you later. Cheers. Nothing like having some good beers and just kind of sitting here discussing all their good beers and beer, 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 beer. It doesn't suck, man. No, it's just good not, Sunday. It's not a bad thing. Beer's awesome. So we are now joined. We have on the phone with us from Trillium Brewing. We have uh, founder, brewer, Mr. J.C. Turow on the phone with us right now. J.C., how are you doing today, bud? I'm doing pretty well. How's it going, guys? Oh, doing great. We're having some of your beers, which uh, definitely is a good thing. Cheers to that. <laughs> so it's getting uh-huh. a little bit of, of your background and everything. Now, you were a home brewer in the area to start with. Like, what really kind of got you going down that path before anything? So you, you, you probably talk to a lot of different home brewers, and they, everybody, everybody dreams about what it would be like to go from the five-gallon batch uh, on, in your kitchen to you know, a, real, a real actual brewery. Uh, and that I just we just I couldn't shake it, and my 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 passion took me to basically putting together a business plan, doing all kinds of research, going to see spots, you know, working with a real estate agent. Uh, that's what I did for fun. Um, <laughs> so it just kind of naturally evolved into something that had to be. So what was it that was there like a beer that you had that got you into home brewing? Did you have a, a buddy that was home brewing that you, you tasted home brew? Like what what really opened up your palate, I guess, and kind of made you want to get into that? Well, I had always really loved making things um, myself, most mostly cooking and that kind of thing. And a friend of mine um, showed me shared with me some of the uh, uh, some naturally fermented cider that he had made um, from uh, from a local orchard and. You know, I, I never really thought about that as an aspect of things that I could make at home, you know, bread and ice cream and those kinds of things. Yes. And then he showed me that, um, and it was it was really a special thing that didn't seem to be otherwise uh, like any of the commercial cider I'd, I'd had. So, of course, I bought a bunch of books, went on the internet, and just started geeking out on, on all things fermentation. So you have kind of that, the nerd brain, I guess we'll call it, that just yep. took over on you. Yep. Uh, always a good thing. <laughs> so, yeah, man. How how long were you homebrewing them before you really kicked off into doing the, the brewery? Not a not a real not a, not a ton of years. We um, it was probably about three or four years or so. Wow. Yeah. So I had made all the uh, all the beer for 
uh, for my wedding, um, the vineyard where we were married in, in Stonington, Connecticut, allowed us to uh, to bring in um, bring in the beer, and I kind of evolved the the brand of the homebrewing blog that I had into making beer not just for myself or for some kind of experimental reason, um, but for a group of people and for a special time and for a special event. And I really just we just really loved that process, and we we uh, the, the vineyard was a special place to us, and we. Um, they really identified with what the owners had had done with the with the vineyard, and it was their kind of their life dream to to open the vineyard in, in Connecticut. And uh, you know, and during the course of the honeymoon, um, we just kind of started talking in that overly romantic way about you know what if we could live our life stream and not wait until retirement, we can kind of transition into what our careers are now and to and to start getting going on that now. So that's, uh, but that was, that was the extent of the discussion about whether we were going to do it or not. And just, we just kind of went for it. Wow. No, that's always a great thing. So are you from the Boston area then? I grew up in a very small town about an hour south of Boston called the Kushnet. Okay. So what made you choose the locations that you did then? Because uh, we had night shift down before everything talking. Like it, it's, and I, I had gone to school up there, so I'm very familiar with the uh, the rates, and it's not a cheap area to kind of no. set up shop. So what, what kind of led to that decision to, to go to the locations you are at? Yeah, I, I've lived in Boston for quite a while now. Um, so it's where, we, it's where we live, and we have our family there. Um, and, you know, I, I had my career overlapping with Trillium for a couple of years. So um, that, you know, where we were rooted needed to be a real, a very kind of realistic thing. I didn't sort of have the, the pick of the world as to where we wanted to set down roots for the initial iteration of Trillium. So um, I, had, I had done all the, all the research and gone, gone to see all the different places uh, from Dorchester to Everett and Chelsea and anything that came up in between. So um, we had we gotten quite close to a couple spots in, in Everett until this uh, spot on Congress Street right in Fort Point in Boston came up and we uh, nothing nothing could possibly beat that location. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. the one the location I want to talk to you about because I hadn't been up. Now I went to school there about ten years ago, so I the of course the whole city changed and we were up. We stopped at that location about two months ago. Yeah, going down to that area, the revitalization that has gone on is kind of mind blowing because I remember that being just an empty, abandoned area that you there was no reason to go there. <laughs> that's what happened when you bring good beer to a place. Yeah, that's like <laughs> were, were you guys were you, you single handedly reshaping Boston? Yeah, were you? Part it was us. Of, we, it was. It was us. <laughs> we. We, we totally, we totally take credit for the complete revitalization of Fort Point and the Seaport area. No, of course not. It was uh, we saw, we saw it was coming. So another reason why we were so excited about being there. I mean, it, it had the bones and the structure for for allowing for that kind of revitalization. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got in just in the nick of time. Uh, I mean, we we tore down the old steel roll up doors, and those were completely covered with graffiti that was. Yeah. 15, 20 years old. I think if you still go on Google Street View, you can see what it looked like before we opened. Wow. They may have changed it by now, but I yeah. mean, I, I, I saw some pictures. Of, it was a complete shithole. It was, it was, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I, I remember that very much. That's why it was kind of one of those areas like you, you passed through, but you never had a reason to really stop, I guess, without you know, trying to sound too mean about the area. It was just, there was nothing really going on there. So seeing all those stores and seeing what's going on is just a really awesome thing. That's where I was wondering 
wondering where you were at on the timeline as far as moving in there with that, because I'd imagine trying to move in there now would cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah, it's, it's basically not possible yeah. anymore. <laughs> um, you know, Esther and I bootstrapped this thing. We took every every penny that we had saved up and put it in. And, you know, it took us close to 14 months just to get the building permit in Boston. That was that was a real slog. Uh, that, that was a tough part of our timeline. Um, and then once we got the building permit, we were open within about six months or so. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, since we've opened, row 34 came in, um, a couple of new apartment buildings, you know, the building across the street was largely abandoned for many years, and uh, now it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful new hotel, so and all, these new, all these new buildings are just popping up uh, uh, through the Seaport Square development as well, very close by to Fort Point. So was that the first location for you guys down in that area? Yeah, that was just a, a little over three years ago that we opened in March of 2013. Uh, we started with uh, just two 10-barrel fermenters and uh, grew from there. Wow. We just opened our new facility in Canton, which is right around 30 minutes outside of Boston. Um, and that's uh, a much larger production facility. But we also kind of maybe we overreacted a little bit. Uh, with you know what is our broom closet of a retail shop in in uh, on the Congress Street spot, uh, but we put in four thousand square feet uh, for a front of a house, so we can um, kind of be much more comfortable. A couple, you know, two sets of bathrooms, the whole thing, everything's very very cozy there, and you can serve beer. Uh, we do samples right now, yeah. and we are working toward um, a couple of different things to be able to start to do full pours. And there's a couple of hurdles left to go on that, but we're um, we're getting closer and closer for that too. All the joys. So, when you guys first opened, like, what were the kind of the initial beer offerings that you were really building things on? Like, did you have kind of a following built built upon your homebrew background, or or was it kind of something you were just throwing at the wall and just seeing what we we're going to go with? We, uh, so during those 14 months, 14 plus months, we had a great relationship going with Greentown Labs, which is a green technology startup incubator, which was also based in Fort Point at the time. They have since expanded and moved to Somerville. Um, and they donated some space to me uh, in exchange for what? Free beer, of course. So uh, we had stored all of our brewing equipment. I, uh, I and, a, and a, group, a group of guys uh, had made a bunch of pilot beers there, and they were. You know, we used that time to refine our recipes, um, get feedback from um, people who didn't know me, which is pretty important, <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, start to try to mimic what what I understood professional brewing um, equipment and practices would be, because they're extremely different than just throwing a bunch of wort into a carboy and letting it letting it rip. So um, learned learned a lot from, from that intervening time. So what was kind of the first, as you got going and the, and the brewery started kind of getting its, its legs, the first beer that really you saw take off for you guys? So the first uh, beer that were released was the eponymous uh, Trillium Farmhouse beer, and um, it was it was a pretty incredible thing. We I guess we had built up quite a quite a good following on social media, and you know people kind of looking down the alley to see if we were open yet another day, and we weren't, of course. But eventually, uh, when we did open, we had 
we had that beer and we went through an incredible amount of growler fills. We did a launch at the public house in Brookline, which is a Belgian leaning uh, uh, pub. And we've become pretty good. I'm actually driving back from Allagash. The owner uh, just got married at, uh, at Allagash yesterday. So um, become really good friends with them. And that, that was the first place that served our beer. Wow, that's awesome. So what, what was the inspiration for the name for you guys, too? That was the other thing I wanted to kind of get into a little bit. Yeah, so you mentioned it before. I'm a, I'm a kind of an inherently a nerd whenever I approach lots of different things. One of those things I just really loved... Um, botany <laughs> and uh landscaping and all kinds of fun things like that so uh trillium had always um i would always kind of uh, thought that was a really interesting unique north american woodland wildflower with this incredible uh variability but also symmetry and balance across the species so um it just became a symbol for what we were trying to achieve not only in the beers that we brew, but in the uh, in the culture behind um, how we uh, we operate. So the new location, uh, you, you go from was it ten to what are you thirty barrel system now? Yeah, we have a thirty barrel uh, DME system there. Okay, and then and, and with the new one, is it more um, producing more beer at this point, or a bit of produce more beer and get a bit more experimental? Because I know you're trying to get a lot more sour stuff off the ground and things like that. Are you you're kind of branching out in a, in a different styles now with with that more production? Um, well, the, room? kind of all of the above. We um, we're last year we made twenty five hundred barrels out of uh, the Boston location, which is a minor miracle given the the, the functionality and the the old dairy tanks that we're using uh, as part of the production system there. Um, so the the first uh, the, the first effort out of Ken was to kind of uh, get the, the production volumes up to meet so, some of the, the demand that was out there that we were leaving on the shelf. So, um, But we're also um, socking away quite a bit of beer into our, into our wild and sour program, uh, which we have actually quite a bit that's um, maturing now out of coming out of Boston. Uh, we haven't put any wild beers that, uh, out yet that have been brewed in, in Ken, but, uh, you know, we've got some beers that are well over a uh, year and a half, two years old that have been kind of sneaking out here or there, but, nice. you know, if it's just a, a barrel or two or a 10-barrel batch and it only lasts a day or two, people don't really seem to notice it, um, <laughs> but that, that was a very big intention is when we originally founded Trillium is to focus on the, the farmhouse wild and sour beers. Now, with um, with that in mind, like the Four Point location, what's the future hold for that? Like, is are you going to do it more experimental? Are you going to do production? You're going to turn into more of a place to go and be? Like, do you have future plans or just keep it the way it is? We we because of some of the infrastructure uh, in the place, we we would have changed it a long time ago to to kind of make it a little bit more visitor friendly and kind of operationally friendly. But they're just. It's just lacking that that option. So, for uh, for, for now, uh, the visitors' experience is going to be the same. But we've changed the types of beers that we brew out of there. Um, you know, before almost all our stainless was all all clean beer, but now it's ninety percent uh, wild beers. And uh, uh, we do we're doing a few more pilot batches um, of uh, of hop forward beers uh, for new kinds of hops that we haven't brewed with yet and we um, we actually brewed our uh, a pilot batch for our third anniversary double IPA called Dialed In 
um, which we did a, uh, the pilot patch is called speed dial out of, out of Boston. <laughs> we made a couple, a couple tweaks there. To, uh, and we, that's the first time we've actually ever done a pilot batch before going to quote unquote, a full scale batch. So that was a, wow. that was a cool thing for us to be able to, to get, um, to go from, uh, concept on paper to a finished beer with an actual, uh, pilot experience first so what's the distribution like for you guys right now like where can people find a lot of these beers we've got a list uh, on our website with a, a roughly 15 bottle shops and 15 restaurants um, but that's all right within Massachusetts mostly within the, the greater Boston area and um, a few a few spots in Worcester as well Awesome. And you, you said you're driving uh, back down from Allagash. Uh, you're not. Uh, are you coming down uh, Philadelphia way this week? Are you going to be down here? <laughs> We're actually going to go pick up our kids uh, right now. Our folks uh, <laughs> watch them for us this weekend, so we can get away for a couple days. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's get let's get into a little bit of beer. Because right now in our glass, we have some Congress Street from you guys, which is the the beer that I was introduced to your brewery through. So, what was kind of like? To, to, we haven't really had had this discussion yet. I'm, I'm wondering to you as a brewer, what's the the difference for you because to me I would classify this as kind of like that New England hazy IPA that's really taken off for a lot of people what, what is the main difference in that kind of versus what we've known as like an East Coast style IPA or a West Coast if you will um, so you know I, I've never you know I never apprenticed at another brewery or you know I never understood real well how a certain you know given brewery had had made beers, so uh, Four Point Pale and Congress Street, which were our, kind of our two, our first two hop forward beers. Um, they they happened as a matter of uh, circumstance. So it was a combination of uh, our our house yeast, our our cellar practices, and um, recipes and the hops that we were using. So they kind of natural naturally gave the appearance that they gave, and. Um, yeah, you know, they were a little jarring at first. You know, particularly Congress Street, we, we find that Galaxy will will throw a pretty significant haze. Um, they kind of evolved out of our out of our practice. It wasn't um, it wasn't sort of derivative of or an attempt to replicate anybody else's beers. It kind of happened uh, on their own. That's what I was wondering if there, if there was, because a lot of people I know have uh, dropped Hill Farm set as an inspiration for getting into all this. But like, this is definitely it, it falls into that. But you're saying that's a really awesome thing that it was. It was just kind of a natural uh, thing that occurred. It wasn't intentional at all. No, yeah. I, well, I, I do say that um, I, once I had Double Galaxy at the public house's uh, hop pet throwdown, however many years ago, uh, I, I knew after after the first case that I wanted to have Trillium's IPA feature Galaxy Hops. Uh, of course, I couldn't get any for quite a while, and that's why it took a little while first to have any at any considerable volume. Um, so that, that's that's how we chose Galaxy. But otherwise, I, you know, like I said, uh, I had my full-time job, young family, and a brewery, so there was really no time to spend, um, spend kind of apprenticing or even hanging out with other brewers. It was kind of us figuring it out on our own. 
And then you, you're talking about making Congress Street and how it wasn't like you're trying to replicate anything or trying to duplicate anything. And I mean, it really does come down to you're making everybody's making beer with basically the same kitchen. It's just like a chef. You know, there's good chefs and bad chefs. And it's it, it, when you do that, do you think it's an inherent kind of timing thing with hops when it comes to like the whole New England thing and and knowing how to utilize that at specific times, or is it more like there's a steadfast kind of recipe to it? Um. So. Uh, you know, there's a certain set of rules that 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 exists to make uh, to make certain types of beers. Mm-hmm. So um, we decided pretty early on that we didn't necessarily, you know, we could use them as reference, but um, and guidance, and uh, we 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 knew that we didn't we didn't really need to follow anything. And actually, anything that we that we changed in order to drop haze out. Uh, seemed to lessen the, the flavor and aromatic qualities that we were working so hard to get into the beer. So the the appearance really became a secondary thing. Um, and, you know, don't get me wrong, the first time we made this beer and poured it into a glass, I, it was a little jarring for, for me. Uh, you know, how, how is this going to work? Are people going to freak out? Uh, and, yes, some, some people have freaked out, but I think um, it largely has become um, something that uh, has become inextricably linked to, to what, what folks expect when they have uh, a hop forward beer from Chilean. Yeah, was that, is this now, like, your biggest selling beer for you guys, Congress Street? Um, so we actually rotate quite a few different hoppy beers through our portfolio, and um, that's uh, in, in part because we, we're we're learning and experimenting with different types of hops. Uh, we have certain quantities available to us, and only those quantities available to us. The spot market is absolutely insane right now, so we kind of have to stretch things out. Um, uh, but we found that uh, people seem to always gravitate back to uh, beers like Congress Street uh, and some of our double IPAs, yeah. Uh, two questions real quick on packaging. One, uh, you do pretty much, you do everything in 750s. Uh, was that just more utilitarian? Like, hey, this is what we're going to do it and it's the easiest way to do it. And two, who does your artwork? Because your artwork is probably some of the best in the business. <laughs> Thank you, man. Uh, the, uh, the 750 mil bottle was a function of the need to pick a single format for both our wild program and our clean beers. And uh, out of our 2,300-square-foot uh, brewery in Boston, there really weren't, there wasn't another option uh, other than the 750-mil format for, you know, basically space considerations. Yeah. We're, we're able to cram a forehead mahine in there, and we did off-site warehousing for, for packaging supplies and empty glass and, all that kind of thing, and you know, we bring it in just in time, and stage it on the loading dock, and bring them in one case at a time, and package it, and then that gives them the cold room. So, we uh, uh, largely due to space constraints. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And art wise, man, you guys are killing it. It's you have the, like the sexiest labels on earth, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> That's a weird compliment to take. I know. Uh, yeah, I, you know, we tr- we try to actually take a, um, a more simple, subtle approach to to our labels and um, and and kind of counterintuitively, counterintuitively, they seem to kind of 
become more memorable that way. Uh, they're they're not uh, they're not screaming at you. They're not loud. They're not using a bunch of uh, neon colors, and they yeah. seem to kind of be a little bit more memorable. Yeah. Um, but it's really it's a reflection of um, kind of the steady and steady pace at which we're approaching um, a, a, the brand. My buddy Kevin uh, Kevin Simo, uh, he's worked for. Hill Holiday and a bunch of great firms, but he has he had a, a desire to get back to um, a hand drawn approach and illustration uh, work, and we we worked on this together uh, since before Chilliam was. He helped me to create the brand entirely and and the, the homebrew uh, homebrew blog, and um, and now he's uh, started his own company. Um, so it's 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 great to actually watch him evolve his own his own uh, pursuits and his own passions alongside yeah, what we do. It just makes it's always made sense to me because when I think of Boston, I think of history and it's like the old witch, uh, wood etching kind of style art and I just, uh, I've always dug it, you know? Yeah. 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 Now we, we're going to have some fun, fun new stuff coming through. We're going to get a little bit more uh, playful and fun with uh, some of the new art we're going to come out with. You'll see that in probably the next couple months. Awesome. Can't wait. <laughs> JC, we, we thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, man. I love what you guys are doing and congrats on all the success. And we wish you so much more. And uh, I'm sure we'll be up in the area again to visit. Yeah, give me a shout. I'd love to show you around. Absolutely. Thanks man. for the kind words, guys. I really appreciate it. Hey, not a problem, brother. Cheers. Safe travels. Cheers. Thank you. Enjoy the beers. Bye. Thanks, cheers. We'll Thanks.